0: section fifteen of david and his friends this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. david and his friends a series of revival sermons by Louis albert banks the divine use of shame fill their faces with shame that they may seek thy name o lord psalm eighty three verse sixteen at first glance this seems like a hard prayer but after all if you study it you will see it is very much the same thing that we sing in the hymn which has leaped all over sectarian walls and become the universal cry of christian hearts in which to voice their sense of need nearer my god to thee nearer to thee even though it be a cross that raiseth me still all my song shall be nearer my god to thee nearer to thee we often sing that hymn carelessly without really taking in its meaning but multitudes sing it honestly and with them it is a prayer to god that he will not cast them aside even though it takes pruning and discipline and the hard whip of defeat and humiliation to save them to himself multitudes of men and women who have been brought to pure lives and have gone to be very useful in the world and have gone home to heaven at last with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads were brought to the lord only through the shame and humiliation which came to them because of their sins the dying thief who was crucified with christ did not find jesus while he was free but only came to him after he had been condemned to die a shameful death because of his crimes jacob when he went out an exile from his father's house because of his own wrongdoing, was met by the lord at bethel and god gave him a great vision showing him the stairway between earth and heaven with the angels coming and going upon it and assuring him of his willingness to forgive his sins and be merciful to him and bless him and the next morning jacob set up a stone for a pillar and worshipped god and decided that his life should be in accordance with god's will but when he got farther away from home and got into business under new surroundings he was like a great many young men who have come to cleveland with high purposes and resolves and amid the hard unscrupulous experiences of business life have lost the high ideals which they brought to the city so jacob fell into selfish mean ways and it was not until he was on his way back and had camped at jabbok ford that the news came that his brother Esau whom he had wronged was coming to meet him with a small army of rough riders and his old sin against esau stared him in the face that he shamed and humiliated pled with god for forgiveness and really entered upon a new and holy life you may see the same lesson in the story of lot lot had a splendid bringing up in the family of abraham he had been trained to be a prayerful and godly man and had been taught by his uncle abraham both by precept and example, that the first and greatest and most important thing in life was to obey God and please Him. But Lot loved money and determined that he would get on and be successful, honestly if he could, but by outwitting tricky Sodom if he could succeed in no other way. So Lot pitched his tent on the way to Sodom and entered into business relations with the people of that doomed city. The result of it all was that though he was finally saved alive, with two of his daughters, it was to remember with a breaking heart his ruined fortunes, his desolate family life, and the failure of everything to which he had set his hand. And it was only through the shame and humiliation of a complete overthrow that he escaped with his own soul. I read you over again this evening that old, old story of the prodigal of whom Jesus tells us, a story which is, after all, ever new and ever being repeated in the modern life of today, it was shame only that brought the prodigal to his senses so long as his money lasted and he had his fast friends about him he forgot about his father's house no doubt there were times when his heart was sore and lonesome and he thought of the good old father waiting at home and wondered if he were anxious and worrying but he drowned all this in drink and revel and went on until he got to the bottom of his purse and then when his money was gone, his fast friends were gone, too. They were friends for revenue only, and when he could no longer pay for fine dinners and revels, they had no more use for him. That is the way the devil always treats those who serve him. The man who serves the devil most devotedly is turned off with the most shame. And it was the prodigal shame that opened his eyes to his folly. Standing there amongst the swine, hungry enough to eat the husks, he remembered his father's house, where there was plenty of food and to spare. Then, shamed and humiliated, but at last awake to wisdom, he started on the homeward journey. He does not look so attractive as he goes along with his head down, every now and then sobbing tearfully, as he used to look when he went swaggering down the street in his fine clothes with a jolly crowd of revellers about him but he is a great deal wiser man now than he was then, and the prospect for his peace and happiness has infinitely brightened. Put this down as a central truth, that there is no hope for any man who is sinning against God until he becomes ashamed of his sin. So long as a man is rather proud of his sin, or is complacent about it, there is no hope for him. That must have been what Jesus meant when he said to those self-righteous pharisees who were proud of their own outward morality but were nevertheless in their hearts wickedly sinning against god that the disgraced publicans and harlots would go into the kingdom of heaven before them this latter class knew they were sinners their sins shamed them and hung about their necks like millstones until they longed for freedom and the very shame because of their sin would drive them to christ i want to call your attention to the fact that this is no hard and cruel law of god which attaches shame to sin instead it is infinitely merciful the fact that the way of the transgressor is hard that the sinner's path is full of thorns that the sting of remorse is full of agony is one of the surest indications of god's compassion and tenderness for in that way by his warning and rebuke god seeks to save us from going deeper into sin it was peter's shame and humiliation on that night when jesus was arrested and he had denied his lord that drove him broken-hearted from the presence of jesus to cry his heart out in the darkness and seek and obtain forgiveness there was something in that look which shamed peter out of his sinfulness the record says that on peter's denying his lord the third time the lord turned and looked upon peter and peter remembered the word of the lord how he had said unto him before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice and peter went out and wept bitterly rev g campbell morgan of london commenting on this scene says that this is one of the things in these gospel stories that one cannot explain the look which christ gave peter there in the judgment hall stood the man of sorrows acquainted with grief Suffering all sorts of indignities. There, outside in the distance, sat Peter, warming himself at the fire which the world had built, denying his Lord with oaths and curses. The Master was in the midst of men who were swearing away his life, and stood with the shadow of the cross already upon him. But when he heard the denial of Peter, he turned and looked at him. There was no theology in that look, but God's heart was in it. There was no resentment in it. The thing that touched the heart of Christ was not the wound that Peter was inflicting upon him, but the harm that Peter was doing to himself. He looked upon Peter, and there was heaven's pity in his look. Heaven's love was in it, and God's heart was in it. No man can tell you what that look was like. We only know something of what that look was by the illumination of the Spirit and by the result which it produced in Peter. Peter remembered the word which Jesus had said the look brought conviction of the sin and folly not merely of denying his lord with oaths and curses but ever having boasted of his own steadfastness what a fool he must have felt himself just then but there was something further and deeper and more blessed than that the look not only quickened the memory and brought conviction it brought penitence it broke his heart and he went out and wept bitterly Ah. Can you imagine Peter's shame that night? All his pride, all his sense of self respect, all his self consciousness of strong manhood were overwhelmed in a great shame and humiliation that he had sinned against the most loving heart that ever throbbed in tenderness and fidelity to man. And it was that shame that saved him. It was the way the Lord took to bring him back to God. Though Peter did not know it, when he went out that cold dark night, sobbing in his sorrow, he was already on his way back to the joy of conscious forgiveness and the blessed peace which came from communion with jesus now i have called your attention to these numerous illustrations tonight that god's message might come home to your hearts some of you have been sinning against god and some of your sins have already brought you much sorrow and trouble and shame i beg of you that you do not allow this fact to harden your heart against the lord as though he had been unkind to you in this for it is a sure indication of his divine love god could not do a more cruel thing to you than to let you go on in sin and yet prosper in it and be happy and have peace how soon that would make a perfect hell of this world no indeed you could not have a surer proof that god loves you and wants to save you than the trouble and discomfort and humiliation and shame which your sin has brought you There are some others who hear me who have not yet got to that place you have sinned against god and when i bring it home to you and you are compelled for the moment to face it you acknowledge that you are a sinner in his sight there have been times when you have been ashamed of your sins but your sins have not specially shamed you are you going to wait until they do or are you going to do the wiser thing repent of them now and give your heart to the lord at once and escape the pain and misery that peter knew but which never came to john i pray god it may be so the best possible thing you can do is not to undertake to turn away from sin piecemeal that is unworthy of you and unworthy of the saviour the most radical change you can make is the easiest and the best edward c delavon the well-known philanthropist and successful business man tells how his whole life's course was changed he had been led into bad company and was on the downward course with other lads one night it came to him forcibly if i continue to visit that house i am ruined still on the ensuing evening he went forth as usual he paused on the opposite side of the street before him stood the house where his companions were assembled he struggled for a few moments against temptation suddenly The thought came over him if i cross the street i am ruined instantly he made the decision and exclaiming at the top of his voice right about face he turned and hastening back to his room threw himself down on his bed slept soundly throughout the night and arose with an approving conscience in the morning he ever after considered the struggle of that evening as the crisis of his life and whatever good he accomplished he traced back to the decision made by him when resolutely changing his purpose and suiting the action to the word he exclaimed right about face it is an interesting fact and one which illustrates how graciously god deals with men who surrender themselves completely to do his will the delavon lived to buy the block in which stood that great liquor saloon from which he turned that night and directly opposite the spot where he formed that decisive resolution he tore down the saloon and erected on the ground occupied by it and other buildings of like character which he demolished a large number of dwellings and stores and for many years he could from his desk look down upon the very spot where he uttered in his boyhood the laconic but decisive sentence right about face speaking to a friend a while ago he said that of the fifty young men from whom he then separated leaving them to enjoy the pleasures of that eating drinking and gambling establishment forty-four had already gone to destruction one a most promising youth and heir to great wealth became so destitute and degraded that he would brush boots at three cents a pair to obtain the means for buying a glass of rum some of them came to a most terrible end one in a state of intoxication fell head foremost from the pier at Harf, france and became embedded in the mud the receding tide exposed his sad and dishonoured remains to the public view others came to an end if less terrible scarcely less sad young man heed these words right about face if every one here this evening who has not yet come out openly for christ will heed this appeal God will bless your decision, and you will not only never regret taking the step, but you will thank God for giving you the courage to take it, not only while you live on earth, but throughout all eternity. End of section 15